Are you ready? All right, get your Bibles and turn with me to Romans 12. Turn and click however you get there, whether you have an analog Bible or a digital Bible. (laughs) Genesis 12, I think it said Romans 12. Genesis 12 is where we're going. And um, uh, we're kicking off this new year with a a new series. It's a series we do really every year called I Heart My Church. I Heart My Church. How many think it's okay to love your church? It's kind of interesting, I've found, I don't know about you, but when we started this especially, you could be in a conversation and say, man, I really love pizza, right? Or you could say, I really love the Beatles. Anybody love the Beatles? So I really love pizza. So I'm like, who are the Beatles? <laughs> not talking about the bugs. It's been a hard day's night. Come on, those Beatles. Anyways. Um, oh, bloody, oh, ain't, never mind. Life goes on, huh? Do y'all not know the Beatles? All right, so I love the Beatles. Anyway, it's okay to say, I love the Beatles. It's okay to say, I love pizza. It's okay to say, I love the ocean. And then you tell someone, I love my church. And they're like, you're in a cult. But you're, in, you're in a cult. You don't like church. Church is supposed to be like a spiritual colonoscopy. You walk in, you take it like a man, and you walk out. You know, and, and you know, I mean, that's kind of how they, like, you're not supposed to have fun at church. You're not supposed to smile. And, and I'm like, no, 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 if that's the way it is, something's not right, man. I, I love church. I love everything about church. I, I, I love the crazy people. I love the weird people. I love the spiritual people. But you know my favorite people at the church that I love? These are my favorite. I'm just going to be honest with you. I love the people who haven't got it figured out yet. Because really, I haven't gotten it figured out yet either. And so really, that's what church is. It's a bunch of us who we believe in God and we love God. And we even think we're called for some kind of purpose that God has given us. And we're all coming together and we're just trying to figure that out. We're trying to make it work. And I always say this, if church isn't messy, somebody's not doing it right. You understand there's a book in your Bible where the apostle Paul writes to a church and has to tell the leadership, by the way, you can't have an affair with your mother-in-law. He was talking to the staff, right? If it's not messy, we're just not doing it right. Church is not a place where everybody's got it all together. That's a museum. Church is a movement full of messy people that we're just trying to figure it out and take over the world together, right? I love it. I love church. I love everything about it. And, and I, I'm excited about this series. I, uh, 2016 was a year of ups and downs. It was a wild year. Um, but let me share something really cool about 2016. Obviously, as a church, it was really cool because we bought land, paid for in cash. God did a miracle. We, we needed to buy $700,000 worth of land. We had 15 days. Well, we had a little more than that. But in 15 days, you guys gave... Um, Way more than we needed. We, we paid cash for $700,000 of land. We had over four, $400,000 left over. That was like a great victory. That was a victory because our economy wasn't that strong last year. If y'all were hanging out here, you probably realized that. And God just did something so cool and well beyond really all we could ask or imagine. That was cool. But let me tell you the coolest thing about 2016, and that is in, in the year, now get this, in, from January 1st to December 31st, of 2016, 333 adults, 43 teenagers at Switch, and 47 Pathway kids made a decision for Christ for a total of 423 people who made decisions for Christ. Yeah, you ought to just lose your mind right there. You ought to be going, right? That to me is amazing. I remember when we didn't have 23 people in the church. (laughs) So that was a fantastic year. And I'm excited about 
2017. I'm really excited about 2017. And when I was praying about 2017, and I want to say, by the way, if you missed last weekend, last weekend, Julie spoke. Um, she gave a great message last weekend, but she really gave, I felt like, a timely word for us and for our church. And thank God for podcasts, because if you missed it, you were out of town, whatever, you can tune into podcasts, download it, get it on the webpage, and you can just track with us. But I'd love for everyone to listen to that. But she was talking about some things God was showing her about this year. And I'm going to kind of extract some parts of that and, and kind of do a, a different message today. But um, but God was speaking to me some things about 2016 or 2017, and I want to, I just believe it's going to be a fantastic year. I think for families, for our church, I think for believers around the world, it can be a fantastic year. Um, but God really just began to put on my heart three, really three words. And he, he put this, the word health and, and um, health, I'm sorry, growth, health, and prosperity, growth, health, and, and prosperity. And, and I don't want to get all out of bounds with that. Let me just kind of tell you what God was speaking to me is, is that first of all, it's not just about growing numerically, but this year we want to grow people. We want to grow from the inside out. Does that make sense? We want to grow spiritually. We want to grow in our character. And, and then health, it's not just eating healthy and exercising, but I really think God wants a church to pursue him in the way of seeing actually miracles of health, healing in our bodies. And my theology, I'll tell you my theology, I don't know where you're at, and you may not even know where you're at. But my study of the Bible has left me with a conclusion that Jesus paid to heal us. And I know people say, well, you know, we all get healed in heaven. I understand what you're trying to say there, and I don't want to debate that, but you don't need healing in heaven. Because according to the Bible, you get a perfect body. So we need healing now. Just like God telling you he's going to provide all of your needs in heaven when you have no needs is not really helpful today. That's the great thing about the gospel, by the way. The gospel is for today. It's helpful today. It'll work after service, right? Not someday. We used to sing that song in the sweet by and by. I'm like, I'd like today to be sweet. You know, sure we can be sweet by and by. I don't want to have to say goodbye to be sweet. You understand what I'm saying? So... And so I, and I just felt like God, I just felt this year was a year really to prosper um, in some ways. And, and I could talk about all those, but, but as we're starting this series, um, I love my church or I heart my church. And, and by the way, we'll have t-shirts here next week. Everybody's been asking where are the t-shirts, they're on their way. Um, but as we started this series, um, I heart my church, I, I really got just kind of focused in on one of our values. And so we hashtagged it this year. We did something different. I hired my church, hashtag HTG, because we have a value, healthy things grow. HTG, healthy things grow. If we're really healthy, we're growing. And how do we know if we're growing? Well, growing things change. And so if my relationships look differently, if my relationship with God looks differently, maybe my finances, just my walk with God, whatever it is, if those things are looking different, if they're changing, I'm probably growing, right? And so that's, what, that's one of the markers of growth is are some things changing. And so I wanted to take the first part of this year and, and I want to talk about really growing and I want to give us a plan to grow all year long. And I know for some of you, you're like, oh, that doesn't sound real fun, Pastor. I, I'll make it fun. If you'll just go with me on this journey, we're going to have fun together. But here's what I think is fun. Winning. How many, how many have ever played like a game or been on a sports team or something like that and you won? Was that fun? How many enjoyed losing? See, I grew up in a generation, I grew up in a generation where losers didn't get trophies. You had to actually win to get a trophy. 
Like you had to actually work to eat, that kind of stuff. You know, I know it's weird, but that's the way I grew up, right? And, and so I want to win because I think it's fun, right? Um, and so, so we're going to win together, but I want to give you kind of systematically in, in the next three weeks. And so I know it's a crazy idea, but if you could be here all three weeks, like three weeks in a row, I promise God won't fall over if you make it three weeks in a row and neither will I, but if we can make it three weeks in a row, right, I'm going to give you some things these next three weeks that will help your year be amazing, I believe. And so I want to start out, uh, this week on something, uh, that's a little bit, I think kind of common sense, but also a little bit different sometimes. But, but let me ask this first. How many of you have ever made a New Year's resolution? Yeah. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying. And so I'm praying for you. And how many have ever, uh, like maybe, you know, y- your New Year's resolution didn't make it all the way through the year. How many be on? How many have already broken your New Year's resolution? Let's just be honest. All right. Yeah. Okay. So now, now that we're on the playing field, here's the thing. Resolutions, as we know, don't really work. New Year's resolutions don't work. And so because it's a new year and because I love you and I'm uber creative, I invented a new word for you. You don't have to thank me. I did it. It's just out of the bottom love of my heart. But I I invented a word and I made it the title of the message, what I want to share today. And that is I want to talk about a New Year's Visolution. A New Year's Visolution. Not a New Year's Resolution, but a New Year's Visolution. And I want to talk about living with vision I want to talk about having a vision, knowing a vision, and living with vision. The reason New Year's resolutions don't work is because they're problem-centric. They're problem-focused. They're organized around a problem. They're organized around a negative. I had a golf coach one time that said straight, you know, you you can't get a positive outcome from a negative thought pattern. And so in golf, sometimes you're getting ready to make the shot and you're standing, I don't get really get to play anymore, but if I got to play, you'd be standing over the shot and, and I'd be thinking, don't lift my head up. Don't drop my shoulder. You know, those type, don't move my head. I'd be thinking, you know, I'd have 15 things. I'm thinking, don't, 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 don't. And he said, how are you going to get a positive result with a bunch of negative input? And he said, so you need positive, you need positive input to get a positive result. And, and, and I thought, man, what a great concept to live by. And so the reason resolutions don't really work is they're usually like, I think I'm too fat. You know, I think I'm not in shape. I think I'm, you know, I think I'm, I'm th- they're all problem centric. But Visolution, our new word, <laughs> feel like Sesame Street. This message brought to you by Visolution and the number seven. Well, <laughs> but, but Visolution is, is based on, it's a solution based on what God is showing me. God's giving me a direction. He's giving me an answer and I'm going to live for something and not try to stop doing something. I'm going to live directionally and focused and intentionally and not just trying to quit some stuff. Does that make sense? And so, and so I want to talk about this. And so we're going to, we're going to go to Genesis 12 and in Genesis 12 is where God is talking to a man named Abram. And if you don't know this, Abram becomes Abraham. God changes his name. Sarah, his wife, was actually Sarah, and God changed her name. But in Genesis 12, God gives Abraham a vision. And so I kind of want to use that as a backdrop for some of the things that I want to tell you. And so in Genesis 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to a land that I will show you. Time out, time out. Here's what I've found. If people want to go anywhere if you want to get anywhere, you got to decide that where you're at isn't what you want. Like if I said, 
Hey, how many want a great 2017? And you want a great 2017 and you want it to be better than 2016. And then I would ask you, so what's new about 2017? It's not just the number at the end of the year. What's new is what's new. Because if nothing's new today, if nothing's any different today than it was 15 days ago, then you're not going to get a different outcome. You got to decide where I'm at's not where I want to be before you go anywhere. Abraham had to decide, I can't get there. I can't get there from here. I can't get there staying here. I can't live in Haran and expect to go where God's going to show me. And as long as you're content where you're at, don't have any hope of anything being different. Like some of you just look at somebody and say, I'm moving this year. Just look at them and say, it's time to move. I'm moving. I'm moving this year. I'm not staying in Haran. I've decided I'm not content with where I'm at. Where I'm at's been good, but it's not going to get me where I want to be. So I got to move. Verse two, he said, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I want to just time out on verse three here. Verse three says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse. Now, let me just say something especially younger generations, because maybe you don't know this. No, nobody told you. This is why we stand with Israel. Right? Forrest Gump, is ma- he was famous for saying it. I'm not a smart man, Jenny. But Abraham is the father of Israel. He's the father of the nation of Israel. And God's promise is, when people bless Israel, I bless them. And when they dishonor Israel, I curse them. This is why I personally was grieved and upset by President Obama's actions towards Israel. We've always stood with Israel. That's one of the reasons our nation has been blessed. I'm I'm not telling you whether I like him or don't like him. I didn't agree with that. I think that's terrible. I'm not saying Trump is my favorite person in the whole world. I am excited that he said he's going to stand with Israel. Because when he stands with Israel, God blesses America. Right? And so I don't know about your politics and I'm not talking about politics and I don't care who you voted for. I just personally would rather be blessed by God than cursed by God. <laughs> Call that simple math. <laughs> all right. So that's why we stand with Israel. And it says, in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Verse four. And Abraham went, Abraham went, he left Haran as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. That was his nephew. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. I want to give you three things you can write down um, that I think will help you uh, as we're talking about having a resolution. But you need to understand some things. So I'm trying to sell you on this idea. But the first thing is this, is that success begins with vision. Success begins with vision. Um, I can tell you from reading books, studying people, talking to people, whatever the case may be, I can tell you that one one of the key differences between people who are successful and people who aren't is that successful people are always driven by a vision. They have vision. You know, there are some other differences. Successful people um, don't fear failure, and successful people don't make excuses. Uh, Julie and I had the opportunity to, to meet some people this year, and, and just to give some credibility, they're, they're very wealthy. They would be in the billions, and we're in their uh, apartment and uh, looking over Central Park. is like a $100 million apartment. I'm not impressed by money, but that is pretty cool. Um, <laughs> And, and the reason I say that is to give credibility to what he, what he said. He, he told me, he said, you know, I work with other businessmen and businesses. And, and he said, interesting enough, you can give me a guy who, let's say, is making about a million dollars a year and a guy that's making about 100000 a year. 
And he said, I can tell the guy who's making a million dollars a year, which is obviously a great income. I'm, I'm just a few dollars short of that myself. Um, but, but you can talk to him and he said, we'll consult with him and I'll say, you know, you should change these three things about what you're doing. And he'll say, absolutely, I'm going to try it. And he said, I, I can take the same guy who's making, say, $100,000 a year in his business, small business, and I say, hey, you ought to change these two things right here, and I think you could go to the next level. And he'll start telling me why he can't change those two things. And, and he, th- here's the difference. Here's the difference, right? It's I'm not going to make excuses. I'm going to make the changes necessary to move forward, or I'm going to make excuses for why I should stay in Haran. Yep. Dang, that's good preaching. And so, and so, and so that's you know different things. But but visionaries, they don't fear failure. They don't make excuses, but they're driven by a vision. Successful people are always driven by a vision. And that's what we see with Abraham. God gives Abraham a vision, or Abram gives Abram a vision just out of nowhere. God gives him this vision, and because it happened so long ago, we have the Bible, we can tell you that he actually was successful. How many think Abraham was successful? Since ultimately we're all grafted in as part of God's family because of him. Now, do you think he's successful? He is successful, right? But we can read Romans 4.18, and Romans 4.18 tells us he succeeded because it says, against all hope, Abraham hoped, in hope believed, and so he became the father of many nations, just as God had told him his offspring would be. In other words, Abraham had a vision, was driven by a vision, and was successful. That's the key of succeeding. If you want to have a successful year, it's got to be not problem-centric, but vision-centric. It can't be focused on the negative problems in your life. You've got to get a fresh vision for your life, right? I mean, think about what history tells us about successful people. Think about Steve Jobs. Do you think Steve Jobs was successful? Most of you are using a phone that he thought of, right? He was successful. Do you know what Steve Jobs wanted to do? Here's what he said. Steve Jobs said, my vision is to turn powerful technology into tools that are easy to use and that will help people realize their dreams and then change the world for the better. That's his vision. How about Bill Gates? You think Bill Gates is successful? Bill Gates had to retire so he'd try to have time to spend his money, to actually give it away. That's pretty cool, I think. You know, I mean, if I retired to try to give away all my money, I'd be back to work on Tuesday. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So, but Bill Gates just said this. He said, I want a computer in every home. That's my vision, to see a computer in every home. Right? And now we have probably everybody in here has probably more than one computer in your home. Um, What about Dr. Martin Luther King? Dr. Martin Luther King said, here's my vision, that my children and all people will not be judged by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Here's the thing. We've come a long way since then. If we could turn the media off, we could probably solve the problem in the next five years. But since CNN loves to set racial divides in our culture, We're still fighting with it today, but here's the great thing. We've come a long ways, right? We've come a long way since then, and we're going to get the rest of the way. And here's the great thing about living for vision. Even when you die, your vision keeps living, right? Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated, but his vision is still living. It's still moving, and we're still moving forward. We're still living in it, amen? And so successful people are driven By vision, but let me help you with what success is because sometimes our culture tells us success is a lot of different things. Success is how big your house is, success is how many followers you got on Instagram. You know, nowadays in the church, in the American church, we think persecution is how many people didn't like our post about our scripture God told us this morning. (laughs) 
let the Lord heal you. But, um, <laughs> but success, success is not based in money. I mean, think about it. You, people drive by and somebody's got a big, nice house. They're like, oh, they're so successful. They may just be really in debt. <laughs> you know? I mean, but, but even still, let's say the house is paid for. That's still not success. And many people you talk to that live in those houses not say their house is the mark of their success. See, this is where we think wrongly about this. Um, success isn't how, how big my house is. Success is not tied to money at all. Success is not about how many followers I have on Twitter. I mean, think about this. Jesus, would we consider him to be successful because we're all here because he redeemed us? Yes. Had to be pretty successful. One man saved the whole world. That's better than Arnold Schwarzenegger. And by the way, Jesus was the first one to say, I'd be Bach. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but but Jesus, Jesus didn't have a house. He said, I don't have anywhere to, to lay my head. And, and Jesus only had 12 followers and one of them not so much. Right? And so sometimes we think the wrong way about success, right? And so let me give you a definition. If you're wondering, well, what would it be for me to be successful? Let me give you a definition that I think you can live by. I just made this one up, but I think it works. Here's success. Reaching the right end. It's just reaching the right end. That's what Paul said. Man, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. He said this, I've finished my course. I've finished my race. I, I reached the right end. If I lived my whole life and reached the wrong end, I wasn't successful. It doesn't matter whether, whether I'm poor or whether I have jets. It doesn't matter because it's about reaching the right end. Right? By the way, most, most wealthy people see money as a tool to accomplish vision. They, don't see, they never see finances as the end result, like the goal. Right? But when we, when we look at our budget, we're, it's not like, oh, we have so much money, let's all retire. We're like, no, 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 money's just a tool to do vision with, right? But, but the whole idea, laying everything aside, is about reaching the right end. It's about achieving my potential or reaching my purpose, my destiny. And so when I stand before God, he can say, well done, right? One country preacher said, when I stand before God, I don't want to hear him say medium rare. I want to hear him say, well done. <laughs> There's a difference in how God wants me and how I want my steak, but that's okay. <laughs> but it's about, it's about reaching, it's about reaching the, the right end. It's about fully realizing what God created you for. Mark Twain said there are two very important days in a person's life, the day you're born and the day you figure out why. The day you're born, the day you figure out why. See, God has an expected end. In fact, we all know Jeremiah 29, 11. So many people quote Jeremiah 29, 11. I love Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. Just look at that first phrase, for I know the plans. I know, for I know there is a known plan for me. It's not a mystery. I'm not hoping. God says, no, there's a known plan. There's an actual plan for you. And then he goes on to talk about it's a great plan. And it's interesting because Jeremiah is prophesying to Israel and he's prophesying to Israel, they're about to go in captivity to the Babylons. Nebuchadnezzar is about to take them into captivity. They're going to be in captivity for 70 years. And here's what Jeremiah is trying to tell them. And really, the Lord is telling them through Jeremiah, no matter what happened before and no matter what's about to happen, 
I don't want you to doubt that there is a known absolute plan for you. And what happens to you doesn't determine whether or not there is a plan for you. I determine whether or not there's a plan for you. There is a known plan for you. And if you know me, you can know my plan for you. That's what he tells them. And so God has a vision. He has a plan. He has, a, he has an end for you. There's an end for you. There's a, there's a race to run, but there's a finish line. And God has one of those for all of us. And, and so God gives us vision. And vision really, to me, you know what vision really is? It's kind of give you a picture. It's like turning on a light. Because that's kind of what God does. That's why Paul said, I pray that the, the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your understanding would be open so that you can perceive all this good stuff, God's, God's calling and, and the inheritance that you have and, and, and his power towards you. And so vision is where God just turns on the light, where we get to see what God wants to do and we get to see how our life fits in what God wants to do. See, vision is really about God. We just get to be a part of it. It's like Abraham and Sarah, we know they were barren. If you read Genesis 11, the very end of Genesis 11, it tells us they couldn't have children. And God promises a couple that can't have children, they're going to be a great nation. I think Abraham's like, I can't believe for a great nation, but Sarah and I'd love to have a baby. And God's like, well, then believe for the baby because I'll get the great nation. And sometimes we miss that the things God's promised you, and maybe they feel very self-centered or very self-focused, like, well, God promised me this success, or God promised me a child, or God promised me this, or God promised me that. And we're sitting here like, I can't pray for that. That seems selfish. Pray for it because God's probably going to get a nation out of your baby. Right? Because God's just showing you what part of your life works in his plan and purpose. He's just turning on the light bulb. And because of that, the vision we carry is not about us, but it's about him. And we become stewards of what he's trying to do. Let me tell you two things vision will do if you get vision. The first thing is vision will frustrate you. It'll frustrate you. It's supposed to. I'm like the most frustrated person I know. Because while I've enjoyed seven years at Pathway and we've come a long, long ways, we're still not close to where I thought we were going to go or where I know we're going to go. And so I just live frustrated. It's okay. Can I tell you, if you don't have vision, then you don't have frustration. But if you live frustrated, you probably have vision, right? Because you're comparing where you're at to where God told you you're going to go. And there should be a little frustration. So I'm okay being a little frustrated. It's been, I celebrate everything God's done. I celebrate 423 people accepting Christ last year. I celebrate it. I celebrate everything God's done. At the same time, I'm like, but I know where we're going. We're not there yet. We're not there yet, but I know where we're going. I'm a little bit frustrated. But do you know why God gives you vision? He gives it to frustrate you so you'll never be content to stay where you're at. See, after God showed Abraham a picture of him becoming a great nation, Abraham could never be content to work in Haran and just stay in Haran. He frustrated him so he would move. He frustrated him so he would follow. He frustrated him so he couldn't be content with where he was at. And that's why God gives you vision. God also gives you vision because he's going to fulfill it. You know what? I, I can sleep really well when I know 423 people accepted Christ last year. Like God is fulfilling the vision. Do you see what I'm saying? And so God gives us vision and it frustrates us. But God also gives us vision and it fulfills us. When you really have a vision, nothing else, nothing else. If you ever have a picture of who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do, nothing else will compare with it. Nothing else will tempt you or run you away from it. You'll stay driven towards that thing because nothing else could be as good as that thing. 
And so vision gives us success. Here's the second thing. Vision gives us a destination and a path. Uh, Genesis 12, verse 5, it says, And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, her, his, uh, his brother's son, and all their possessions, and all they'd gathered, and all the people that they'd acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. They set out to go to the land of Canaan. Vision gave them a destination, and it gives us a destination, just like as our church. When, when I think about our church, and I think about, I want to reach 10,000 people in this area. I want to have campuses all over I, you know, I, I want to have a ministry school where we bring people in from all over the nation. I went to Bible school. It sucked. I've got some different ideas on what could possibly make it better. Like not trying to get everybody to believe in one denomination, but to believe in one God. That would make it better. And, and, so, and so I've got some ideas on how we could train leaders and send them all over the world and, and raise up worship pastors and just raise up leaders and pastors and church planners and missionaries and all of that. I got, I've got all this vision. I just ooze vision sometimes. So I see these campuses and campus pastors and, you know, I just see all this stuff. And I love it. It's a destination. But a destination in and of itself doesn't get us there. I've got to have a destination, but I've also got to have a direction. See, having a vision gives me a dire- destination, but having a vision also gives me a direction. You see what I'm saying? Does that make sense? In other words, Abram, go that way. Like, I didn't really tell him what all was going to happen, where he was going to go. He just kind of said, you got to leave Haran. And he gave him a vision so he wouldn't be content in Haran. And then he said, now, go that way. Go west, young man. You know, I mean... Go that way. And so vision gives me a destination, but it also gives me a direction. And can I tell you that when it comes to achieving vision, direction is important. In fact, I would say when it comes to achieving vision, direction is more important than intention. Direction. Okay, let me give you an example. When I was in Bible school, we used to go to Deep Ellum in Dallas. If you've ever been there, run free life. But um, it can be a rough place at night. And we would go like one o'clock in the morning and try to tell people about Jesus. I don't know why we hadn't been drinking or anything. I don't know why we were down there. Um, but we would go down there. And, 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 and so what if I said like, man, last night God spoke to me and he gave me a vision to start a ministry in deep Ellum and I'm going to go next weekend and I'm going to preach in deep, deep Ellum. And, and, and everybody's like, yeah, that's a great vision. And then I get on I 20 and I head East. Now to help some of you that haven't woke up yet, Dallas is West. (laughs) East. It wouldn't matter the vision that I had. It wouldn't matter the intention that I had to change deep Ellum, right? None of those things would matter if my direction is wrong. God gives me a vision to give me a destination, but he gives me a vision to give me direction. Are you with me? And this is what I think is missing with people. Some of you are sitting here and you've been sitting with a vision for five years and God is saying, when are you going to get the direction right? Because you can't get there loving on him, hooking up with her, doing that thing, going over there, staying in the same rut. You got good intentions, you got terrible direction, and you can't get there. Direction is more important than intention when you're trying to reach a destination. That's good. That'll help you. You got to get your direction right. Um, you know, pathway, we run on a vision. We have vision for days, so we just keep running 
on this, on this vision. And, and our vision is pretty simple. We take it, our, our, our vision, our mission just comes from the red letters of the Bible because that's what Jesus had said. And we think whatever Jesus had said is probably going to work for us. And, and so when it comes to what our vision is, we just kind of take it from what Jesus told us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Matthew 6.10. This is what Jesus told us to pray. This is how Jesus told us to live. That we're supposed to live to see his kingdom come. The church is not a group of people who have got their ticket punched to go to heaven. It's a group of people who are trying to bring heaven into the earth. It's a big misconception. I'll spend the rest of my life trying to explain it. But God didn't create Adam and say, Adam, now believe in me. And when you die, you can come to heaven. That seemed pretty weird, don't you think? Like, I've created you so you can die. <laughs> no, I created you to live and bring the dominion of heaven into the earth. That's what he created for. That's why Jesus came. That's what we do. And so, so that's really the big picture. We're just trying to bring heaven on the earth, right? That's what we're supposed to do. And then you're like, man, that seems like a big concept. How do you do that? Well, Jesus is so cool. He said, here's a vision, and here's the mission. In other words, the mission is how you do the vision. It's the same way we organize the church. It's how we're running every day. It's what we're doing. We're just running on the same plan we started with seven years ago. In 70 years, we'll be running on the same plan we started with 70 years ago, right? Because we have vision, and vision is on earth as it is in heaven. And so how do we do that? We have the Great Commission. And so at Pathway, we took the Great Commission and organized it into four B words, right? So it's easy to remember for everybody, but I'll read the Great Commission in Mark 16. And I'll tell you this, Jesus is so cool. He gives us two great commissions. They're the same thing, but he says some different stuff in them. In Matthew 28, he says one thing. Some people don't know the Great Commission also in Mark 16 because Mark 16 has the weird stuff, right? So Matthew 28 is like Great Commission for Baptists, right? And, 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 and Mark 16 is for all the crazy Christians, right? They have their own version and so God's given us a great commission no matter what your denominational affiliation. It's so cool. It gives you a great commission you can be comfortable with. Mark 16, verse 15, it says, And then they told them, or Jesus said, Go into all the world. Then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And we give it this word, believing. Because we believe in these four Bs. We want everybody believing in Jesus, belonging to a family, becoming a disciple, and building God's kingdom. Want everybody believing in Jesus, belonging to a family, becoming a disciple, and building God's kingdom. He said, go in all the world, preach the gospel. Why? So they can believe. And we put believing so you can believe and continue to believe. He said, anyone who believes and is baptized, well, now they, they belong. They were baptized into the body of Christ. They belong. We'll be saved. That's becoming. By the way, New Testament salvation is not about a ticket punch so you can go to heaven. The word actually is to be restored to original design and intent. In other words, Jesus didn't say, hey, Adam screwed everything up and I came so you can just die and go to heaven. Jesus actually said, I came so you could have life abundantly. Let me say it another way. I came to restore everything about you to the way God intended it to be so you can live the life God intended you to have. I came to restore your mind. I came to restore your spirit. I came to restore your body. I came to restore every part of you. Relationships, finances, health, it doesn't matter. Jesus is big enough to fix it all. That's good preaching. And so he said, so becoming, he said, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned, verse 17. And these miraculous signs, I love that because something weird is supposed to happen when people follow Jesus. 
These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. And now this is building, building the kingdom. They'll cast out demons. Remember, this is the crazy Christian version, not the Matthew 28 version. They will cast out demons in my name. They'll speak in new languages. They'll be able to, to handle snakes with safety. See, I'm not there yet on whatever this verse is. I'm just going to be honest. I shoot snakes for safety, but I don't handle them for safety. You don't ever have to worry about somebody bringing out snakes at Pathway because if they do, there'll be shots fired because I'll be blowing those things up. Because I don't like them. They're all slithery trying to bite you and stuff. That's weird. I don't like that. So you don't have to worry about us handling snakes, but shooting snakes, probably. And it says, and if they drink any poisonous thing, it won't hurt them. And but, but here's these four Bs. And this is what God wants for all of us. Believing, belonging, becoming, building. Let me tell you how we do them. Believing, that's weekend service. It's what you're doing this weekend. Hopefully when you leave here, you're going to believe something about God or more about God than you did when you got here right? And we say it this way. When I believe in God, I get eternal life. But when I believe everything God tells me and I start believing him in every area of my life, I experience abundant life. Any area of my life where I'm not believing him, it's not abundant yet, right? So I don't ever stop. I, I, Journey had it right. Don't stop believing, <laughs> right? Don't stop believing, right? And so Bon Jovi had it right too, living on a prayer, but that's a different sermon. <laughs> Believing anyone who believes in baptized belonging for us, that's life groups. We, you are not created to do life alone. You can't, you need your people, right? You need your people. And so you need to be in a life group. Um, and then becoming that's there again, I'm becoming who God wants me to be sin and death tried to make me something I'm not, but God came to make me what I'm supposed to be. And so we do that through freedom ministry, right? We, we do that through uh, stewardship ministry, marriage revolution, a lot of different things we do, but, and then, and then building that's dream team. Everybody should be on a dream team. We don't ask you to be on a dream team because we need people to do stuff. We ask you to be on a dream team because you need to be connected to purpose. I don't know about you, but, but the day God gives you a vision is not the day you're ready to do it, right? God gave me a vision for this church when I was 17 years old, but you would have not wanted to be a part of this church when I was 17 years old. <laughs> Trust me, that'd been ugly, right? I mean, my fir first time I preached, I think I was 17 years old. My dad said, now, son, don't try to tell them everything, you know. I said, okay, dad. So I got my outline. I'm like, I'm not going to preach everything I know. I'm just going to preach Jeremiah and the potter's house. That's what I'm going to preach about. Jeremiah's trip to the potter's house. Eight minutes into it, I'd finished my outline. <laughs> then I preached everything that I could know. <laughs> and at 17 minutes, I said the closing prayer. You understand? What I'm <laughs> Some of you are like, why can't you do that today? <laughs> <laughs> I know too much. I don't know. But here's what I'm saying. You know, what I had to do is, is I was connected. I was part of a worship team. I was part of a, a student ministry. I then became the youth pastor, and I was a worship pastor at several churches. And then I was a student pastor, and then I was a single adult pastor, and then I was an associate pastor. And it took quite a few years, and then we started the church. Why? Because I had to be connected to the body of Christ so I could be connected to purpose so God could grow me where I'd be ready for the vision that he called me to, and you're no different than me. And so we say, get on a dream team so you can get connected to purpose and grow to the place that God can put you in, whatever he has for you. It starts with saying, good morning, welcome to Pathway. Here's your worship guide. Can we help you this morning? Right? It can start there and go all the way to Billy Graham as far as I'm concerned. But it has to start somewhere. And so believing, belonging, becoming, and building. I don't know if you thought about this, but Abraham did these four Bs. 
He believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness, right? Abraham started by believing God. Do you know, do you know the bottom line of believing God? Do you know what it is? Here's the bottom line of believing God. Abraham believed that God's plan for him was better than his plan for him. And until you believe that, you're probably not going to follow him. You might hang out at church, but you're not going to follow him. You've got to believe that his plan for you is better than your plan for you. And that's what Abraham believed. And then belonging, Abraham made a covenant with God and became, became one of God's. He became God's. He gave himself to God. He was in covenant with God. And then becoming, God changed Abram's name to Abraham. He put an H-A in there is how we see it. It's ha, ah, but it's symbolic of God putting his spirit or his breath in Abraham right? God changing and transforming he and Sarah. And then Abraham became the father. He built a great nation. He fathered a nation. Listen, Abraham, the father of our faith, one of the reasons why we're here today, you know how he lived? He lived with a vision and he did the four B's. If it worked for him, it will work for you. It will work. It's just just a way to live, right? It's just a way to live. Here's the last thing. Vision moves us to action. People who have vision act on it. People who have dreams don't, right? Um, there's a difference really between active dreaming and passive dreaming. And passive dreaming, I think sometimes we're guilty of this in the church. That's where we have, like, I'd like 2017 to be different. I'd like my life to be different. I'd like my marriage to be different. I'd like my kids to be different, my job to be different, whatever. And then we just kind of do this thing like, you know, God's Jehovah sneaky and somehow he's going to sneak up on us and change our life when we didn't see it coming. Right? And that's, that's, just, not, that's, just, not the way, that's just not the way God works. Everybody you read about in the Bible, Abraham, he was an active dreamer. He was a visionary, right? David, active dreamer. Solomon, active dreamer. Joseph, active dreamer. Joseph had a dream, and when everything went wrong and he was in a prison, he just kept working his plan. Right? Everybody you read about in the Bible, the reason why we're here, they were all active dreamers. God gave them a dream, and it moved them to action. They started moving forward. They didn't sit back and say, well, that'd be nice, God. Just any time you want to come down and change everything, that'd be really good. Uh, I won't prosper financially. I'm just going to pray every day, and someday some angel going to show up, put $100,000 in my chicken account. And uh, then I won't know the Lord prosper me. And we laugh, but sometimes we're kind of guilty of that. Right? Like I can succeed financially and do it God's way. I can tithe. I can budget. I can steward. I mean, to say that I want to succeed financially and to not have a budget doesn't really make sense with anybody. Does that make sense? And, and the same thing in my family. I want to have a great marriage. Well, get a plan. You know, Julie and I, we've had several conversations that we've moved into this year and we've kind of looked at different categories. I've written that, I've written, I writ, I writ, I writ down. I didn't wrote down, but I writ down. Um, I wrote some things down like concerning, and she did too, but I like, what do I want to do in the church this year? What do I want to, but what do we want to see in our marriage this year? What do we want to see in our family this year? And we've been writing things down. We've been having conversations about it. We still have some conversations yet to go about it, but we're writing some things down to say, hey, this, this is kind of the lane we want to run in. If we're going to move forward today, we're going to be active. We believe God wants us to have um, the best marriage in the world. We believe God wants us to have the best family in the world. We believe God wants us to prosper financially and be in health. Those are so prosperous. We believe all that, but we're not just going to sit back and see if God will do it. We're going to move with God. We're going to cooperate with him. We're going to co-labor with him. We're going to make steps. We're going to be active dreamers and not just passive dreamers.
Um, Julie shared this scripture last week, but I, I want to share it this week. Habakkuk 2, verse 2 and 3. It's talking about vision. And most people have read the scripture. It says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision down and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Um, I want to read it because here's what helps me in my life. Sometimes I need to know what my part is and what their part is. And, and it really helps me in my relationship with God. And I think sometimes I've been guilty of trying to do his part and not do my part or not doing my part or trying to do my part in his part or wanting him to do my part. And, and what really helps me is when I, when I kind of boil this down and I say, well, what is God's part and, and what is my part? I was having a conversation with an elder one time and I said, you know, my part is not providing for the church. So if we have a bad month financially, it just, I don't let it rattle me. I'm just like, God, you know, we've stewarded, we budgeted, we have a bad month, we're just going to believe you to make it up. You know, I mean, it's not my job. I'm not a fundraiser. I'm not good at that. It's not what I'm called to do. I'm, I'm called to lead people. I'm called to do what I'm doing. I'm not called to be asking for offerings. That's why we don't even take one, because I'm just not even good at taking an offering. I'm good at giving them. I'm not good at taking them. But, but my part, when it comes down to it, my part's not provision. My part is stewardship, whether that's doing resources or stewarding the vision. And, and in your life, too, sometimes you need to know, well, what is my part and what is God's part, right? I love this verse because it tells me. It tells me God's part is giving vision, See, it's God's, God's job to give me vision, right? I don't give myself vision. God has got a plan for me. He's going to give me vision. It's God's part to, to um, perform the vision. Like God's going to give me the vision and God's going to perform the vision, right? This is God's intention. He's going to give me vision. He's going to perform vision. So even if I have a vision, I don't have to make it happen. I can't make it happen anyway. It's God's. Remember, I'm stewarding it. But then it tells me my part. My part is to write down the vision, and my part is to run with the vision. Right? And so now I know, like, okay, God's part, my part. I want to see your kingdom come. I want to believe, belong, become, and build. I, I want to change the world. God, what's my part? Write it down and run with it. That's all I'm... That's, that's all we did, pal. We wrote down, here we have this vision. What do we do? We're just going to run with it. And this year, this is the segment of the, of the race that we're on. Like, here's this big picture, 10,000 people, campuses, ministry school, all this kind of stuff. People coming from all over the world. People sent out all over the world. Raising up worship leaders, missionaries, pastors, church planners. That's the big vision. But that can be a little overwhelming. That can sound like a pop dream. You say, well, how are we going to get there? Well, this year, we're going to work on building a building to house it all, but we're going to grow in freedom ministry this year. We're going to work on developing leaders and raising leaders. We got to hire. I mean, for us to reach our vision, we probably had to hire, I don't know, another four or 500 people. And so we're going to grow our employees right here. We're going to work with our leaders right here because we believe everybody in here is called to change the world, whether you believe it or not. And so here's the segment that we're running this year. These are the things, when I'm talking to the staff, and they're talking, they're, we're like, this is what we're doing this year. Yeah, there's the big thing. Here's what we're doing this year to get there. We're being active. We're still running with the vision. We wrote it down. We're running with it. Are we there yet? Nope, nope. We're just running another leg of the race. Does that make sense? Are we supposed to perform it? No, God's going to perform it. Did we come up with a vision? No, God came up with a vision. But we wrote it down, and we ran with it. Here's the thing. You can live a successful year. 
You can live a successful year, and it starts with having a vision so you know the destination and the path where you can reach the right end. And then it's just about writing it down, and it's about being active and moving towards it. This year, listen, don't just pray that your marriage gets better. Read a book. Go to a seminar. Don't just pray that your finances improve. Get a new budget, right? Don't just pray that you grow spiritually. Find a time to connect with God. Start moving forward in those things. And when you get to the end of this year, you'll be able to look back. And whether the year had ups and downs or not, you'll still be able to say, I moved the ball. I ran a leg of the race. And you can feel good. The reason I feel good, like 2016, probably one of the hardest years that I had. But looking back on it, I feel good. I grew in myself, the, you know, the church grew, people were saved. It was a hard year, but I can say, hey, we ran a good, le- re- we ran a good leg of that race. We, we finished some things about that year, and now we move into this year. Listen, you can win. God's given you everything you need to win, and God will give you the vision that sets the course for you to win. You just have to trust him, get the vision, write it down, and run with it. Amen? Is that a good word? Will you give God praise? Is that a good word? Yeah.